0: Welcome to The Space of the Waste, featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now, here is Melody Edmondson.
1: Welcome to the Variety Channel of Voice America. Thank you so much for tuning in today, this Tuesday, to the Space of the Waste. I am your host, Melody Edmondson. If you have missed some of our past episodes, please go to www.voiceamerica.com and you may put the Space of the Waste on the search line and you can Go to my page, and over to the right, you can listen to one of 70 some episodes that you may have missed. And please, I hope you do that. If you would like a visual representation of my concept about the space of the waist, which is body shapes and waist length, be they uh, balanced, short, or long waist, you may go to Pinterest and find the space of the waist. And you can look at your body shape by your waist length and see clothing that would really make you look fabulous if you wore that. If you're short-waisted hourglass, short-waisted rectangle, short-waisted inverted triangle or long-waisted hourglass, long-waisted triangle or long-waisted rectangle. The first book you should buy on www.amazon.com would be book one, because that's the guidebook. And my guidebook allows you to know the measuring methods that I use to get my body shapes and to receive your waist placement. And my waist placement is devised by the bottom of your bra band. You put a bra on, a good bra. And the bottom, under your breast, at the bottom of your band, down to where your waist nips in, or if you don't have a nipped in waist, it would be almost underneath your rib cage and a little further sometimes. That is the space of your waist. And when you know how many inches you have, the average inch for a balanced body is six to seven inches. If you don't have that, like myself, I have three and a half inches, uh, you're not gonna be wearing a big wide belt. You're not gonna be wearing a great big, huge sash around your waist, because that's gonna cut you in half and make you look wider and shorter and basically horrific. <laughs> so all of the tips you can get are in your individual books, which are all listed in book one after you've measured yourself i use the um body frame your shoulders your hips and your waist so it's a very very simple way of measuring because the girth the fat the muscle the water uh they come and go but for a very long time your bone structure stays intact if you have long legs and long arms you're going to stay long if you have a short torso it's going to stay short guess what and if you have a long neck or a short neck it's not going to change so what i'm telling you is your body shape by your bones and your waist length don't really alter that much and i'm i can tell you that because I've been pretty much those the same for my long, 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 long life without mentioning numbers. <laughs> but anyway, I have uh, talked to you before. We've had many guests. We have a very special guest today, Christina Ruels, and she is going to tell us about herself. She has a very unique point of view in design and promoting and confidence. This is a very proud Latina woman. She was born in Ecuador, and she is a single mother of twins. So I welcome to you today, Christina.
2: Hi. Hi,
1: Christina. For having us. You're welcome. Tell tell me about a little bit about your upbringing and how you got excited about fashion and um, where you are today with your collection. Sure.
2: Well, um, my interest and my sort of realization that I wanted to be designer, a designer in fashion, came quite early, probably as early as fourteen. So I kind of figured it out and immediately sort of. Figured out that I wanted to go to Parsons, maybe Parsons, Paris, and started to put all my ducks in a row. Um, I had come to the United States when I was 12 years old and I was excelling in the arts programs in the local high school. And so at that point, I started to look into college early and um, I was lucky enough to get accepted early admissions, instead of doing my senior year in high school, I just went to Parsons and began, you know, my four-year college degree, and that's where I graduated from with um, my major in fashion design and a minor in writing, and I kind of at that time, um, it was kind of the era of, like, the gap, you know, and I... Intern for like Isaac Mizrahi and designers like that. And, and so I was really interested in something more unique, more about um, interesting tailoring, et cetera. And so, ironically, the fashion was so different back then. It was very divided between the United States and Europe. So they said, well, that's really costumey. You know, I, I was a big fan of Alexander McQueen and actually Vivian Westwood. That was sort of my, I was very punk. And that was really my world. So I um, looked into uh, costume design only because that's where you know people kept pointing me towards. So I ended up applying to Yale School of Drama for costume design. They accept three students out of the globe a year. I was lucky enough to be chosen. So at that point, I, I'm one of those people that just goes, if the door opens, I go through. If it doesn't, I figure it's not for me. So... I did that and then I did work in the film industry and theater industry for a little bit and I realized I really just am a fashion designer I really love um loved it and wanted to go back to it. So I actually in a unusual sort of moment which is um around just before the year 2000 uh Ecuador where I'm from they had their and so it was kind of like the great depression financially in my home country and I had this idea of starting like a small side business and sort of launching my my collection under my own name my autonomous collection Christina Ruales and so I went to Ecuador and I I love climbing so I do a lot of mountaineering and rock climbing so I visited my family did some climbing and investigated like what I could have manufactured there to create some opportunities to what now people call fair trade, but so wasn't really a term that existed at the time. So I ended up starting a fair trade business in Ecuador for knitwear because although I was obsessed with like leather and tailoring, it's not their forte whatsoever, but they're an incredible knitting um, community. So I ended up, fast forward, I launched my knitwear line starting with accessories at Barney's New York. And that's kind of how I started my own, um, my own business.
1: Wonderful. Oh, my gosh, you were so young. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just start at. Yeah, so- at 16 and then to end up at Barney's in the year 2000. Wow. I. Yes. I, I just. I think it's amazing. You just Thank were so singularly focused.
2: Yes. I was very laser focused. And I I honestly I don't think I I was so young. I don't think I really understood the level of like what I had achieved. Um and perhaps made some mistakes. And so I think there was a moment where I got into Neiman Marcus catalog and I was like the numbers of the orders and the manufacturing could not be sustained by my little hand-picked stay-at-home moms, you know, in Ecuador where I would have the Italian yarn shipped to Ecuador. It was not also very financially savvy either. You know what I mean? It was all about like my dream, my wants, my empowerment of these women changing their lives, making them be breadwinners um, even though they could take care of their kids at home. So it was, really successful in that way but it wasn't it was keeping my business afloat but not necessarily creating a profit so I realized well, were
1: you manufacturing in Ecuador yes okay yeah because you knew factories there and all of that I guess it,
2: no it was I literally I literally <laughs> hired moms that were knitters and I auditioned hundreds of knitters it, if I had the the wherewithal to videotape, it would be an incredible video. It was people came from all walks of life, traveled three days by, by uh, bus because I put a big ad for knitters. And I auditioned wow. knitters uh, with lines around the block and we kept our permanent team based on their ability and they, everything was hand knit. I did eventually, end up manufacturing in, um, in Bolivia,
0: you know, with more
2: alpaca. So that was like a little bit further down the road. But in the beginning, like I said, I didn't really have the a lot the manufacturing and the business experience. So in the height of the success, I kind of decided wrong or right, you know, this is what we do is that I was a little bit in over my head and that if I had that level of success, I'd be able to reach it again. I created a, a a good name for myself, a believable brand. And I wanted to go work corporate and gain some experience like and what it means to travel the globe, manufacture and do mass production, even if it's at the designer level or not. And so then I did do that and I ended up, as we discussed earlier, I ended up with my first Corporate job um, at DKNY Jeans
1: and DKNY then, Donna Karen at that time had a designer line and then she had the DKNY her bridge line.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yep. She had a bridge line and then, ironically, she had um, a line that was licensed um, and actually run by Liz Claiborne. And I had no idea about these things. That's the irony. Like when I okay. went to interview for the job. In my snobby way, I thought I was going to be working for Donna Karen. Right. Um, and my, my agent sent me to my boss's home to have my interview, my would-be boss, who ended up being my boss. And I had my interview. And I honestly, when they told me I got hired on the spot, I they show up on Monday.
1: When I showed up and I was like looking at the address, and it was this Liz Claiborne building. I so literally- was it Diana DiMartino? Was Diana DiMartino your boss? No, Susan, the the VP at the time was
2: Susan. I wish I could remember her name, okay. but I think she's one of the original Sex and the City ladies yeah. that stories were based after. She was incredible. No, my my immediate boss was actually Sheila um, Leela Shams. Who, okay, you know, A- okay.
1: Leela Shams. Okay, who now okay. has her swimwear line, yeah. TR Three. Okay. So
2: honestly, um, you know, pe- it's always nice to. To see other women uh, success and create That's, their dreams, so yeah, she was absolutely, great, you know, a great boss. I was very naive in terms of what to do in a corporate environment, so um, you know, it was an interesting lesson to say the least. And like, yeah. it went from there to then kind of missing my own creativity and di- gained the knowledge that I needed. Um, I was. Probably three years later or so, I started to be approached by people to license my name and design direct collections and kind of tweak them or fix them. So I ended up working for WIM. and I licensed my name by Christina Ruales. And then I went to London where I was scouted to run a collection um, that was based in Paris. And I would like be able to use my name. So it was called So BGN by Christina Ruales. Um, and I kind of still call that my bright like big city part of my life you know where you're dreaming like people are driving you around to pick your studio in London and where would you yes. like whatever so that happened and that created the opportunity for my first actual fashion show which was in London yes and that, that was like bringing you, me up to 2006 okay and, and at that point um my aesthetic was very much aligned to like right before the birth of Alice and Olivia, I think my aesthetic was very much there. You know, okay. I was obsessed with Victorian. I was obsessed with everything, um, like old-timey tailoring, you know, because I'd gone to Yale and really mastered all the different centuries of tailoring. Yes. So I had this kind of mindset. And then the financial debacle of the world, the global whatever, economy bust that occurred first in Europe and then came to the United States within the, you know, 2008 to 2010. Yeah. I, think. Um, I was, I brought, they lost their money, my backers. So I brought, I came back to the United States and I ended up working for Victorinox and Jill Stewart. I ended up being her VP of design. And then during doing my Being like the VP of design. Which is a
1: big deal, by the way, (laughs) listeners. Jill Stewart was a big deal. Okay.
2: Yeah, so back then it was kind of my first time doing like an American fully produced uh, runway line. Do you know what I mean? And um, I think that was kind of preparing me for my next step. And um, within that time frame, I had my children and um, I started to feel um i remember i went to to dinner with my mentor right after uh the jill stewart show the first one and she's like you know that was amazing because i was able to design over 90 percent of that collection and i was like i introduced i you know i know because you like fit i introduced tailored jackets for her and then i we actually opened a whole line at macy's for her like you know as a for jackets and it was just like a licensing deal but it was such a great um learning experience in terms of all those things and I go to dinner with my mentor and she's like you're ready and I was like ready I don't think I'm ready she's like you're ready you're ready to come back do your thing You just did it you know under someone else's umbrella and like you know and I was like well you know what I'm trying to figure out what that is like what is me my aesthetic I've been designing for other people and of course I like to think my aesthetic is always like unique forward And tasteful, like I have a natural antenna and a natural snobbery for all things that are of value and and that have a high-end look to them no matter what. So I knew that much, but I said to her, and this was like, um, I want to say this would be 2010, 2011. Um, I said, you know, I really want to do sportswear that's like runway. And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "I want to do like a high-tech fabric that are gowns that are dresses that are for everyday." Because of my ice climbing and rock climbing background from Ecuador, my exposure to Victorinox and doing all this technical fabric and all these technical clothing lines, and then just straight up, you know, goofy fun fashion, Rachel Stewart, I kind of like informed me of like that's kind of my personality. So I decided, you know, my obsession with all the travel that I did as a design director globally. Um, but really, what I'm about is the juxtaposition of architecture versus nature and like how we live within the space and within ourselves, our bodies, our own spaces. And I became probably slightly overly intellectualized about the idea of tailoring. And I'm obsessed with Japanese designers like the Yoji Yama- Yamamoto's of the world. And so I like Sakai. Those are kind of like my style clothes as I evolved as a woman. And I felt the comfort, the forward thinking, the empowerment of it. Like you just really feel like a lot of power when you wear those clothes. And I really decided, you know, I said, I want to do the sportswear, but like informing high-end fashion. And at the time it was like, it was giggled at and then actually it's what we did for the next 10 years as you know in fashion so i think sometimes i like to temper my antenna to be a little less forward which i've learned to do i sometimes just sketch things out and put them away because i know that for the open market they're probably just a couple years ahead of what is actually relatable at the time and so I I designed my collection. Um, I launched my own collection. I I felt very supported by some of the people, especially my mentor, Lisa Smiler at the CFDA. And I was put on the fashion calendar uh, between Narciso Rodriguez and Oscar de la Renta, other Latino designers. And, um, you know, I, I did a great job, but I also, a little bit of a disaster job. You know what I mean? Like, I think that um it was you know the key people it was one of those like things you could write a movie about like the key people the only people that were supposed to come in they got left in the cold and the snow and i don't know what happened but there was like a line around the block on 7th avenue and people were trying to break in all right it was a little chaos it was a PR chaos. but my, my next two fashion shows were far um better served and um more prepared but i think like Um, in general, what's weird about now, right? Because that's not that long ago. That would have been now 2015, 16, 17. Like that it's um, that people, when I launched at Barney, um, there was a buyer there that was famous for make in the year 2000 for finding and making the new design. That was
1: like what Barney did, right? You went there to see the new talent. Absolutely, more avant garde things. And then, if you wanted the classics, they had them. But basically, they were more about true designer, yes. you know, new, modern, what's next at yep. whatever price you can pay. And then yep. I know they reorganized and they put it by look. And I don't think that worked as well because people wanted to go to their place yep. in the store where they shopped, seventh floor, fourth floor, whichever one it was, and go there. Right and not have to go through certain other things. But I i know I never miss Barneys or Bergdorf's, you know, or Saks. Those were my three I had to hit. Oh, awesome. If it's all awesome. I had time for, then that's what I did. Yeah. If I only had time for one, yeah. I'd usually run to Bergdorf's, but. Right, I mean, Bergdorf, uh,
2: they're all, all the people in charge of these places are fashion icons that discover like Linda at Bergdorf, they all discover new artists, new designers and that that's their job. And so like the thing that's a little bit sad about what's occurring, you know, now is that it became this thing, and because I'm older or experienced or both enough to know what things used to be like pre Instagram, you know, is that like Back then, you know, I got my first editorial in Vogue, and I was so excited. And and I, if you had a stylist like an in style magazine, they would they would put my knitwear in there every month, you know. And it was wow. like, once, you, once you have someone, you know, these these are it's a community, is what I'm saying. Right, a- if they
1: like you, yeah. they like yeah. your your mm-hmm. silhouettes, yeah, and your colors and your make right. your quality, you're in. And right. if the so price is of, right, you know. Yeah. It
2: became like a thing where a community would sort of birth out the next, you know, talent. And so now it's so weird because now they often want you to show an entire collection two to three times before they buy your collection. And you're like, who can sustain that level of expense when it might cost you $100,000 to create a collection? And then to do it again, sample, you know, all the way from like draping to sample to sizing, you know, like all fitting a fit model. I mean, we'll get into the whole fit thing right now, I think. But it's like the whole thing is like, now it's not sustainable, because it becomes a business for only those who have backing from the beginning. And that would be people who come from wealth. And so I don't come from wealth. And I really hope that somehow we can get back to a place. And I do think the CFDA is starting to work on definitely usually the, mm-hmm. the, the best place to help in, ter- in terms of designers. But it's it's not sustain- sustainable to ask the designer to do three entire, um, you know, mm-hmm. fashion collections before actually being sold at Barney's or saks or, you know, Bergdorf or whatever. It needs to be something different. You know, um, which is why, as you know, most designers nowadays, they want to go direct to customers, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's either that, you know, they go direct online or or you have to be able to write up proposals and go to venture capitalists and get, it's actually easier to get a whole lot of money than it is to get a little bit of money. Yeah. I know John's had a few people that have wanted to do that and have called him. Nice. And he says, you know, you need to ask for more money and you need to come up with more ideas and yeah. really do an entire uh, write up about what your oh, collection yeah. offers that nobody else offers, what your fabrics will be. Have the sketches, yeah. have the fabric, have the colors, have everything, have yeah. your seasons, have yeah. your collections for a few years and then go in there and say, in order to get this going, you know, I'm going to need X And whatever that is, you know, 30 million, 500 million, you know, whatever you need get it down there. And really, you have to, in order to do that, though, you have to have some, you have to show them that you're out of your training wheels. You know, you have to show them a little bit of your path. And you have to be around a while to have a path where you can say, oh, I'm doing I'm shipping a million dollars, you know. Okay. Oh, I'm shipping now a hundred million. That that could take years, you know, yeah. for somebody because yeah. to, you have to have the money to cut, sew, make, and ship those garments. Yeah. And uh, then they're gonna add money, mark down money. Goodness yeah. knows what else, but it, it's a, no one really understands how yeah. difficult the clothing yeah. industry is. And now that it's gone online and now the metaverse and all of that, I'm sorry, but I'm very sorry that so many stores are closing. But I do think we have a huge opportunity here. And I'm being told I need to be they're going to take me to commercial break. So I'll (laughs) slow it down here. But I do (laughs) want to say that I will be happy when they start reopening or newly opening small specialty stores again because yes. that goes back to shopping in a store that gets you and has a look the store has the look and the clients go in and they say oh this is me you know yeah. and it isn't just Absolutely. one brand it yeah. isn't just uh you know one designer Uh, Gucci store, but I mean a Gucci with Christina with Oscar de la Renta with whomever mixes with you. Morning, noon tonight might be different price ranges. You know, it may not all be designer, you know, but probably is, but different things from different lines. We're going to have to go to commercial break, but we're going to come back right back with Christina Ruels,
0: Thank you. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy
2: updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
1: Melody Edmondson has created a book series available on Amazon.com. The Space
2: of the Waist series is comprised of a body shape by a waist length and will have all the information you need to dress and accessorize beautifully. You choose yours after first buying book one, the guidebook, your fashion guide based on body shape and the space of the waist. This is a new method of determining your body shape and your waist length termed the space of the waist. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, tune in and iHeartRadio. Listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast.
1: Hey Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast.
2: If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts.
0: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Listening to the space of the waste to reach the show today call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to the space of the waste at gmail.com now back to the show
1: we have christina ruelles here today and she has a beautiful collection and she's had white the journey into fashion. <laughs> so I welcome her back to continue on her journey with us. I think we're about to 2018 or so. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, but to, to to jump forward
2: to the present, I basically, you know, t- 2018 is two years right before COVID. Um, you know, where the world changed, and you know, you I like to be a person that always takes the good. And the silver lining out of all the tragedies and bad decisions and uh, good decisions, you know, I feel like that's what life's all about. You got to pick up and get up, and I, every single successful person on the planet. And I hope everybody hears this: like, you cannot be tough on yourself. Like, success cannot happen without failure. And so, I am here to attest to that. I think that there are some things I did, as I've described, that were extremely successful. And then there are hiccups along the way in the states that I made. And I think that the important part is to be able to learn from them. So for me, I made some personal choices that ended up creating chaos in my life. And I ended up having to move out of New York in a rush, shall we say. And I moved to Connecticut. And, you know, it's quite a drastic change. Um, so I am about two hours away so it's commutable like once in a while still obviously but nonetheless it was right before covid um about an hour and a year prior so i felt really happy as a mom that i wasn't in the city during the lockdowns and all this stuff and i have now um i in my business plan as you were talking about like having a business plan ready i had i was sort of poised to get um an investor for, you know, not a huge amount of money, but like 10-20 million dollars. And then I I uh, moved here and I just had to focus on my kids and my family for a short amount of time. And then COVID hit and during that time I ended up manufacturing some masks and like helping out, just trying to be a good citizen um and created antimicrobial silver lined masks so we never suffered any discomfort, and I made like five sizes, and I sold them here just locally, basically. And then um, I, I had in that original plan, um, planned out to have a home line. And so since we're all at home so much, I ended up sort of putting that in the front of my agenda sooner than I expected. And I saw right now, I'm currently about to launch a decor home collection which is Mm -hmm. really exciting and so it's like wallpaper and um duvet covers and sheets and pillows
1: wonderful
2: (laughs) yeah so between that and my fashion i'm kind of reducing it to like just like really dialing it back to like three to four shapes and Actually, I think that their show is perfect for me because my mo- my key sort of most basic, if you will, dress is, g- is called a triangle dress. And it literally is shaped like a triangle. Okay. And the idea is that I was having when I did my collection was I really am against the whole, like,
1: let's just be naked fashion. And uh, so- thank you so much. And all of our listeners will be very happy to hear of that. I can't yeah. tell you how many thousands of emails, whether it's been the Grammys, the Emmys, yeah. the whatever I get. Is that I can yuck? Yeah. I mean, how I, as a feminist who would really
2: love to see us women get equal pay before I die, I, I yes. really can't um, really promote that to my daughter or my son um which i feel like i get it they feel like it's empowerment i feel like it's objectifying like whether it's empowerment to the person wearing it everyone is still like you know i don't know what they're doing with your picture but i don't like to think about it so like i really i really feel like that's fine everybody can do their own my tagline before hashtags existed since i was 20 was celebrate Individuality. It used to be celebrate your individuality, and I've evolved it to just celebrate individuality. So I have no issues if you want to walk around basically naked, and that's your gown. That's your prerogative. That's you. You do you. I don't ever criticize women for their choices, nor should I, nor would I. But for me, as a designer, where I have control, I would like to be a part of giving women to like really want to look sexy, want to feel powerful, feel empowered, feel like themselves, stand out a little bit, not not like they're wearing an actual costume, but stand out enough to feel really unique and be able to be themselves without having to show every single aspect of their body. So, you know, it all started when I launched my collection. That was the height of the Bob Kahn dress. So I made this triangle dress which was a little bit of a punk, irreverent nod. Um, And it's a sexy mini dress that is very easy from the top to the bottom, but it's tight right around where um, it's asymmetrical, but it's tighter towards like the bottom of where your legs would would hit, but then it opens up because you can gather it. Because as you remember, I was all about the sport um, and technical fabrics and sort of merging those worlds. and so. A lot of my fabric have things like toggles and pulleys, like my my designs. Um, and actually they lo- they are not easy. So I did no side seams. So all of my side seams twisted and curved. None of my shoulder seams were like actually at the top, one comes forward, one comes back in the entire collection, whether it's a coat, a jacket, a dress, a pant, whatever. And I created these like little rules for myself. Uh, in my own love for the intellectual side of draping. And so I would drape these dresses, and I'm going to focus on the triangle dress moving forward, which actually has no waist. Um, and so it's really gonna be just about the different beautiful uh, fabrications, and it has a back sheer spot. Because, so like, I think backs personally are like one of the sexiest parts of a woman's body you know i'm a leg gal and a back gal you know i i don't need maybe Uh,
1: shoulders yeah shoulders are nice
2: yeah because like i i guess i grew up with like you know god-given pretty large breasts at the time so i was always trying to i was never like i'm just um i personally not a huge like let me show all my cleavage girl it makes me a little bit self-conscious especially being like the only female design director sometimes in a room of 20 design directors who are all male yeah. it's just a different thing and I'm not against it but for where I am for professional like, life maybe yeah yeah so for me it's like I really am going to focus on the triangle dress and the more easy comfortable I like that collection and yeah and I'm hoping to do What's in the works, actually, not just hoping, it's in the works, is creating a, um, so it's like a beach cover-up that's like day to evening. So it's the mm-hmm. same shape. I'm just like refabricating and doing some fun color things and eventually some prints. And then like the between that, it's sort of like my beach life, which I have now, informing my collection which is also informing my collection for my home line because you know what I noticed is that our self-esteem doesn't just lie in like what we wear but it really lies in our home in the space that yes. you yes. wake up every morning and
1: morning. what you wear at home I'm yes. sorry I don't like all the sweatshirt all no. the time and tacky no. leggings it's and so whatnot rough- like I could see that triangle dress being all the way down to the ankle it with is. a little hood and I could see it yeah. in stripes and prints yeah. and yeah. solids and having yeah. one in every color. If you get yeah. to work at home half the time, yeah. look fabulous, folks. Look
2: fabulous. So I'm pretty excited because I feel like I already have a bunch of renditions and versions and I'm just gonna have to pace myself to Learn like I can't necessarily afford without a backer to just put
1: out 900 units, yeah, <laughs> 900 <laughs> items in the collection. I get it, you have to edit, edit, edit.
2: Yeah, so I like kind of like taking a page out of what Leela is doing and has done. It's like we're all, I said, it's just a lot of people are doing it. It's just we're all kind of dialing it back to just a few skews that we can afford to manage, mm-hmm. really. Really um, get those out there, become known for that and yes. move on from there versus like a runway collection that has like 60 SKUs every
1: six months. You know I mean, it's, it's not manageable. Yeah. You can anymore. have every four months, six more items or right. something like that. You know, I know. I, I've i been seeing that more and more. And yep. they're not just from really, really high-end people. Mostly yep. they are, but not always. Sometimes it's kind of a bridge fashion point. Yep. I just found a um, a dress for someone to wear to a, a wedding. I don't know if she's going to buy it or not, but it was from a bridge designer, Tadashi Shogun. I don't think I'm saying that right but you know who I mean Sadashi and it was a green dress and it was just straight columnar but it had a very interesting kind of leg of mutton sleeve just at the top and then it was straight but I just could see that on so many body shapes but I thought of this one woman that I thought it would look great on because it was in her daughter's wedding color theme Uh because now so many weddings have themes and you can only wear certain colors to the wedding even as a guest Uh and this was one of her colors and I said go for it you know because Uh she just she has several dresses that she might wear but she hasn't really committed to any of them because I don't think she loves any of them enough I said this isn't Designer, it's not five thousand dollars, but it's a darn good-looking dress, you know. And I think you should try it. So we'll, we'll see think, if she does. <laughs>
2: yeah, good luck. I think. I think. I think. Honestly, I'm I'm excited to have this opportunity to discuss what's next for me and my company. And I'm about to also launch the uh, new website, probably either towards the beginning of the summer, the end of the summer. That'll show all the new. Um, things that we have going on. So hopefully people will be patient. And
1: Do you know on. what the website will be so we can give it to the <laughs> listeners now?
2: www.criscinaruales.com. And hopefully you guys can on Instagram, and I'm more focused on my mom life, but that's uh, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-R-U-A-L-E-S. Co for company, Christina Ruales, Co. And a home, com- Christina Ruales, home. No, Co, company. Oh, Co. Yeah, CO is my Instagram.
1: Oh, is that Instagram? I didn't get that. Yeah. Part. Yeah. For my website, it's
2: just my name,.com. So Christina without an H, because I'm Latina, and then Ruales, which people often mispronounce rules. And I think it's awesome that. It's all us
1: through all us say it right, <laughs> Melody. It doesn't matter, uh, so- it does, it does matter. I don't <laughs> like to be called Melanie, I want yeah. Melody, so <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs>
2: yeah, so yeah, if, if you guys want to sign up for my mailing list or send me a DM, that would be great. Um, and you know, we, I, we do donate uh 10% of our proceeds to survivors of domestic violence to a local shelter here um, because it has affected our life. Um, But I think that I just hope that what I can do is help people feel that like, A, your dream can come true with, like, hard work, and um, if you don't have a support system, create a support system, find people that will support you, not financially, just emotionally, and help you believe in yourself. Um, you know, make your confidence, your number one ally. I think that, um, you have to, uh, be able to, um, stand up for yourself and be yourself. Don't be every day. I say to my kids, don't be a follower, be a leader. Don't worry about followers. If if you're true to yourself, if that's your goal, they will come, you know, I'm the worst social media person on the planet. I, I cry a little bit, but I'm not, you know, I'm more the visionary than the doer and the artistic side, but I would say in terms of, uh, social media, so it's, it's, I like it for more messaging than anything else. And so I'm hoping we're also going to launch in the fall, like a podcast, which we started before all this happened, but uh, we're going to pick it up again, sort of talking about how to, with fashion how to create a collection how to sort of achieve the things I've achieved and sort of like um, you know, do some helping out the community and help other um, designers get, you know, get started and believe in themselves and just in general help people um, feel that it's safe and it's cool and it's good and it's great to have a life where you can really be yourself and dress how you want to dress and be who you want to be. And, hey, if you want to be super sheer and show it all, God bless you. I I feel like everybody should just be able to be themselves. And hopefully my collection can help people do that. You know, that's yes. kind of my goal. And the home collection, I think, um, is quite creative. It's sort of like uh, right now it's it's more like murals, you know, like 10 feet repeats, So it'll look wow. like wallpaper, it'll look very high-end, very elegant, very, it. like, raise the aesthetic of your home versus just the the single drop repeat, which is what most are. And for those of you who know print.
1: Um,
2: so I feel like this kind of sabbatical that I've had has really informed yes. my, my next moves in a higher level. And so mm-hmm. I feel pretty blessed and I feel really blessed that you found me and and brought me on here to talk about it because I love what you do and I've listened to your podcast and it was awesome to, like I think the first one I actually heard was Leela and I was like, this is so kismet. I was like, this is so funny. I mean, I haven't seen her in 20 years, but it was just so great to hear um, another success story from
1: another oh yeah and she's just doing fabulous yeah I'm sure and she's got the social media covered because I see her on Facebook and Instagram yeah, Yeah. everywhere but I do think you could do a bang-up job with your uh Christina next with your um architectural (laughs) nature avant-garde more forward things because I mean there are some gals in Romania and uh, Belarus and all like Eastern European countries that are on Etsy. And I am always buying some bizarre raincoat. Then I have to get <laughs> one for my daughter-in-law. Then I got to get one for my sister. And then I found this amazing uh, outfit from uh, Maria, Queen Maria. Oh, my God. She has the cutest skirts and the most fabulous avant-garde skirts and tops. I just can't get enough of her stuff. And I do think that there are a lot of Gen X and baby boomers that many, many designers forget about because we're not the Gen Z and we're not millennials, but that's still a big, Portion of the dollars being spent. I realize your worker bees that are working at least a week a month outside of the home uh, are still important, but uh, not if they're going naked. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that
2: there's an opportunity for um, for so much. um, So like so many different styles, even within my own personality, you know, like sometimes I want to dress really, you know, what would be quoted as girly. And like, sometimes I don't like it just, it depends. And I like to think that the, um, you know, the designs that I have are unique enough um, that they make you feel, you know, that you're wearing something very special, but also they're not, they shouldn't be seen as like, that unusual that they're off the charts. Do you know what I
1: mean? Because that's right. just, I, it's
2: well, not for really some,
1: cool. Yeah. It's not for most people because they like right. to think they can keep it for a while it won't be dated in any way. No, yeah, but I, I like think class- artsy things, I think yeah. artsy clothes are timeless, just like classics. And yeah. I think fashion is what goes and comes. But that if you buy artsy, unusual, geometric, shapes like a triangle, you know, dress or a square or a rectangle or whatever, columnar dresses. Uh, I just feel and even your classics. But if you want to wear something, I know with me, but of course, I had a fashion background. And I've always loved fashion since I was four years old, that uh, I like to know I have on something new, and something different that everybody else doesn't have. And that is not every client, I know that. Um, I've spoken to enough groups of women to know that most women dress fairly fairly classically, even though they love fresh, beautiful colors. Anyway, out here in the Southwest, they do. Yes. Uh, they do love beautiful colors and they do pay attention to the colors that look good on their particular skin, thank goodness, because there are color trends and color things that come into the forefront of fashion. But, you know, like magenta right now, there are a lot of people that don't look good in that. And then there are people that look very good in pink. And then there are people that don't look good in pink, but you can (laughs) usually find a color, a shade of something similar, whether it's coral, salmon, melon, peach, apricot. There's something that will go with their skin tone. And then they feel absolutely beautiful
2: yes I think that it's really nice to be like all of my tailored jackets for example they're very classic but they have like a, a unique twist in terms of their lapel but in general like fit for me is key to be very studied I spent so much time getting all my blocks perfect for my brand so that My leggings, my tailored um, trousers, they all fit like a dream. And and I hope to get to a place one day where I can expand my collection again. And that would be my ultimate goal. But so now, you know, sort of a little bit of the laid out plan that I have to start small. And, you know, start, you got to start somewhere.
1: That's where I'm at. And I think it's a fabulous idea. Well, I can't wait to see your home things yeah, right. that you. Those murals sound amazing. I'm thinking back here in my bedroom, I've been wanting something behind my bed and my husband yeah. won't let me put a painting up there. I think yeah. he's planning on rock and rolling on that wall <laughs> or something. But I would like to have something substantial and that mural sounded real good. Yeah. And I want to look at them and I sure. want to uh, see everything else you're doing for the home Thank and you. for clothes because I think you just... Buy into Christina and you know she knows what she's doing, and we can't wait till your website opens and we can all get on your email so that we can start receiving things from you. Because I do think that one-on-one is how we're gonna get a lot of business going forward with so many stores closing and so many yes. people working at home. They're gonna get a ding and it's gonna be Christina, and you're gonna say, You gotta get this, you gotta have this. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? We're gonna say, I need a break. Maybe I'm going to take a look at that. And if you've got a body scanner, like from the Big Thinks, T-H-I-N-X, on your site, and you can scan yourself with two photographs, don't ever have to get out a tape measure, and all of a sudden you say, this is what will fit you, Melody. And I go, that's going to fit my 42-inch boobs and my 40-inch shoulders. And you're going to say, yes, it will. (laughs) And it's still, it's still I can buy a pair of pants. In an eight, you know, doesn't matter, you've got it, got me covered.
2: Awesome, or a
1: 10. If I'm having a good year and have an appetite, I'll be in a (laughs) 10. That sounds
2: great. My website is up, but it's going to relaunch, so you guys can still go to the website, still DM me on Instagram. Okay, um, and uh, you know, just go ahead and add yourself to my mailing list through the contact page, and I will look forward to you know, seeing you again and speaking with you again. And thank you for having me. Oh, gosh. Thank you for
1: taking the time to come on. I know how busy you are. And with your two beautiful children, your twins, I am just thrilled you took the time to do this. I have people I want you to meet. I can't, because I've got a couple of people that I know live in Connecticut. One is Kara Mack, who does fabulous I love her boots. She makes them in um, Brazil and she, and she has this two and a half inch to three inch stacked heel that I like called the Broadway boot or the Boho boot. And you can take the covers off of the heels and replace them with other covers. And I I could see my boots with your triangle dress Nice. And I I have like 40 boots out of one pair of boots because I have 24 different sets of heels. Silver, gold, red, purple, pink, glittery of all kinds. And I just absolutely love it. So I want you to, I'm gonna give you a bunch okay. of names after the show. Great. But thank you for coming on Voice America. And I see that Andrew needs me to sign off. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to my show for the last year and three months. And I have over 70 shows on my site and they will be up for 90 days. And thank you again so much for joining me on the space of the waste on the Variety Channel of Voice America.
0: Thank you for listening to The Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time.